So last week I started on a series uh, called Root Killers. And uh, so we're going to be on this for a little bit. And, uh, and so last week I shared with you really about comparison. And so kind of the whole thought behind this series is very simply this, is that I believe that many times we try to deal with external things in our life. You know, the outside of situations, and yet we wonder why we keep dealing with the same issues. Last week I told you about it's kind of like pulling weeds out of your garden. If you just go out there and rip the leaves off and leave the roots, guess what's coming back? The weed is coming back. And many times that's what we do. We try to deal with what we can see instead of actually dealing with the root of what's causing issues in our life. And so, you know, so we've been talking about this. And so I'll say it this way is that sometimes I believe that we try to deal with the fruit on a tree. You know, the Bible talks a lot about agriculture. And, and yet we, we think by, you know, it's like going out and saying, if I can fix the apple on the end of the tree, I'm going to get better apples. No, you get better apples by dealing with the roots, right? You have to nourish them. You have to make sure they have the right soil, all these kinds of things. And so that's really what we're talking about. And so last week I was sharing with you just about the dangers of comparison. And it is a a danger. There's no doubt about it. So if you happen to not catch that message, you can jump online. It's in the archives. And uh, and so you can watch that. And so really the the focus verse, if you will, kind of of this... uh, series is this. It comes out of Proverbs chapter 24. I shared this last week, but this is out of the message translation. It says to keep vigilant watch over your heart because that's where life begins. Other translations would say guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the direction, the course of your life. Well, if that's true, then I think we ought to pay attention to our heart. I think it's pretty important. Why? Because we can have all the external. Let me say it this way. You can have look perfect on the outside. You can have all your Christianese in the world. I can have all my Christianese in the world together. And everybody look at me from the outside and say, man, that guy's really got it together. But if my heart isn't right, failure is just a matter of time. It's inevitable. Why? Because my heart wasn't right. My actions may be right. My words may even be right. The things I say and do and even the appearance that I put on. May all be right, but if my heart's not, I'm in trouble. And the same is true for you. Your heart matters. And so you're like, well, what is the heart? What are you referring to? So the heart comprises several things. It's our thoughts. It's our will. It's our affections. It's the things that we long for. Uh, One commentary says it this way, is that it's the center of all physical and spiritual life. So you you can really say that the heart, if you really want to look at it, is what do you desire? What are your affections set on? What are those things that you long for? Right? And and so we understand that the Bible says that when we became, when we put our faith in Christ, that what? We got a new heart. It says that there was this old heart. The Old Testament talks about this. It says that there was this old heart of stone. And yet when we came alive unto God, what happened? He says that I will put a new soft heart, a pliable heart in you. And yet, and that is a fact, but you know, even that heart can become calloused in time. So this is something, even whether we've been saved for a few minutes or a long time, these heart things matter. Why? Because they can happen subtly over time. We can become calloused over time and not even be aware of what is actually happening. And yet the enemy will use it to affect us in a great way. 
And so it's important that we're paying attention to these things. And so this morning, I want to talk to you and share with you some thoughts along the ideas of negative words, negative thoughts. You know, thoughts are words. You do realize that, right? Sometimes we think, well, it's just the words that I speak. Like, I don't need to say certain things. But it actually goes beyond that. It's actually the words that we think about. And let me say it another way. Thoughts are the language in which we talk to ourselves. So we have to be careful how we talk, how we think, how we ponder. You know, I'm an analytical person. And I'll sit down and I'll think. And sometimes my thinking can get me into trouble. Why? Because I can overthink and I can overanalyze and I can perceive or, or make something true in my mind that's not actually true in reality. And unfortunately, I've done that before. And then, you know, I, w- I want to go try to fix something and that there's actually not a problem to fix and I end up making a bigger mess. Why? Because I worked it up in my mind. And so we want to be careful in this. And so, you know, we have to be careful. Why? Because negative words, negative thoughts become negative emotions, which become negative thinking. It's kind of a cycle. And so, you know, one of the things that, you know, um, that we could look at, and and I realize that there's different personalities in this room and, and even this statement, is that, you know, that we all have emotions whether we want to say we do or not. You know, my family, it was... Well, the men aren't emotional. Well, that's funny because they all seem to get angry, and I think that's an emotion. I'm pretty certain. So it's like we don't have any emotions except for that one. Like we'll, we'll, we'll lose our cool, but, you know, we can't cry. You know, we, we, we can't, you know, I mean, just things like that. We all have emotions, and in truth, our emotions get the best of us at times. All of us. No one's exempt from this. And yet, how do you fix your emotions? You got to fix your thoughts. You got to fix those words that you're thinking about. And so you could say it this way is that if you'll change your words, you'll change your life. You know, and it's just a principle. And so, you know, depending on your particular background of church life, you know, I, I was raised where it really mattered the words that came out of your mouth. Like what you said out loud really, really, really mattered. And it does matter. I'm not diminishing that at all. But I think that we need to equally talk about the words that we think about. Because it's not just saying the right things if I'm thinking the wrong things. It makes a huge difference. So let me give you an example in this, you know, it's actually just a statement. But I believe that it will help communicate is that words are seeds. Words are seeds. And seeds produce a harvest. Words are seeds. Now, many of you have probably either said this or, or had somebody say it to you. Or maybe you yelled it at somebody who was not nice to you on the playground. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you realize that's like the biggest lie I mean, emotional abuse many times is actually much, much, much worse than even physical abuse, although neither is acceptable. Why? Because a physical wound will heal when an emotional wound will keep wounding time and time again. Why? Because those words will echo, will echo, will echo, will echo. See, we have to deal with these thoughts. We have to deal with these inner things. And so here's what we want to make sure of 
is that we're planting seeds for the harvest we want. Make sure the words that we're thinking, the words that we're speaking, the the things, and, and let me take it even a step further, the words that we allow other people to say to us. Sometimes well-meaning people can what? Feed into negativity, like even when we get ticked off. Like I'll just use me as an example. I can get worked up about something, and what I don't need is to call one of my buddies who will jump on my negative bandwagon to amp me up to convince me that I'm actually right. I have one good friend. You know, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, and it's kind of a strange one, comes out of Proverbs, but it says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. This is the way I say it. It's actually a quote from a guy named Oscar Wilde. He says, a real friend will stab you in the front. (laughs) And I have a good friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, and I'll call him sometimes, and we have this kind of relationship. We'll call and vent to one another, but there comes a point, and he's done this to me many times. He's like, are you done yet? Like, did you get it out? We, you know, like, can we move on now? And there's been times where he said, hey, that's enough. Why? Because he's not feeding into it. He, he realizes, look, I need somebody to talk to, but I got to get over it. And man, it's been such a tremendous place of strength in my life to have somebody that I know that I can call when I'm frustrated, get my emotions out before I go start spewing venom all over the place. It's like verbal vomit. That's a good picture for you, isn't it? I know you've never done that. Blah, just throwing it out there. It just, you know, it, it, it's a mess and then you got to clean it up and all these things. And, you know, but we want to make sure what, we're planting the seeds to produce the harvest that we want. Why? Because those seeds are being sown into our heart. And the Bible says that we're to guard our heart. Why? Because that's the direction. That's where we're headed. If we'll take care of our heart, man, it matters in, in, an, in an amazing way. Proverbs 21, verse 23 out of the Amplified says this. He says, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards himself from troubles. What a concept. Now, this doesn't mean that we get taken advantage of. It doesn't mean that we don't speak up. It's quite the opposite. But it just means that I'm going to be watchful out of what spews out of my mouth. Not just in my own life, in my own thought life. So you could say it this way, who, who, he who guards his thoughts guards himself from trouble. Proverbs 18.21 says this, is a very familiar passage of scripture. The most familiar one would be that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The message translation says it this way, is that words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. I want you to catch that. Words are either, they'll either kill or they'll give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. And that last part's pretty important. You choose. Words are seeds. They're seeds. They're not good or bad. We determine if they're good words or bad words. We determine if it's a good seed or a bad seed. By what? By what we say. By what we think. It's this inner dialogue many times. That gets us. The Passion Translation says it this way. Your words are powerful. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or will give life. The Amplified Bible adds this. says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit 
And here's the part that the Amplified adds, and will bear the consequences of their words, good or bad. Remember, you choose the consequence. You want good consequences or bad consequences? Now, I know that word consequences kind of stirs up like bad, right? We just automatically think any consequence is bad. Well, not necessarily. If I, have, if I make good decisions, do they not produce good results? That's another word for consequences would be results. Those who love to talk and indulge in it will eat the fruit and they will bear the results of their words. So it matters. It it matters a a massive amount, you know, especially when we're talking about really guarding our heart, protecting our heart, really walking in everything that God has for us. This is a game-changing area of our life that we all deal with. Because you may say, well, I'm just not a vocal person, but you think. You may not say it out loud, but you talk to yourself. Like, I thought crazy people talk to themselves. Everybody talks to themselves, so we all crazy. So, but we have this inner language. We have this, this inner dialogue that happens, and we all do it. And yet it can be very detrimental, and it can do a lot of harm in our hearts. You know, let me show you another example in a, in a good way. Proverbs ten seventeen says this, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How do you hear? Can you hear, uh, you know, what it's talking about here? Can faith rise without the word of God? No, why? Because you wouldn't even know the gospel. You wouldn't know who God is. You wouldn't know anything about him. Therefore, you have to, what, hear words that are spoke that come forth, right? So that, what, faith can begin to rise. So faith can't begin to rise without words. See, that inner talk, you may need to, Tell yourself, get a hold of yourself, <laughs> enough. Sometimes we, I, I have to do that to myself. Say, okay, stop throwing a pity party. Quit griping and complaining and change the way I'm thinking. The Bible tells me this, that sometimes I have to take captive every thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Like, well, what does that mean? It means any thought that I have that doesn't line up with God's word, I need to arrest it. Take it and be like, nope, I'm not going to think on that thought. I'm not going to let that sit there because God's word speaks something different and something better for me. That's how you do it. You're like, well, how long do I have to do it until you change that thought? Might take a day, might take weeks, it might take years. You're like, oh my goodness, really? Depends on how bad you want to hold on to it. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. James chapter 3, I know I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures this morning, but I I just want to give you a full picture. James chapter 3, I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation, starting in verse 2. This is... The verse starts off, and it's, it's, it's good news for us in, in a way, and it says that we all fail in many ways. In other words, ain't none of us perfect. Ain't none of us got this all figured out. It says, but especially with our words. We fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we're able to bridle the words that we say, 
We are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. That's an amazingly powerful statement. If you can guard the words that you say and that you think, you can handle anything else that comes your way. I mean, this is central. The Bible makes this very clear. I mean, we see it throughout Scripture. And it makes it abundantly clear here that if we can learn how to what? Harness the power of our words. See, that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that we're using words properly because words are powerful. Good or bad, death or life, you choose it. But we want to harness the power of our words to what? To produce what God wants in our life. So it goes on here and it says, and this means that our character is, or it says when we're able to control our words, that means that our character is mature and fully developed. It says horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their, their large body. The same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think how a small flame can set a huge forest fire ablaze. And so it gives us examples. You take a a thousand pound horse and I can put a little piece of steel in its jaw and I can get him to stop. I can get him to turn. I can get him to pretty much do whatever I want. It's this massive animal, and yet this piece of steel that big. And I can control that amazing animal. You take a ship, and man, the ocean's crazy, and you see, and yet you look at the back, they've got these little rudders. And that little rudder can control the direction of that ship. And the Bible here says our tongue is the same way. It's small, but it's powerful. So, yes, the words that we speak out loud are important. You know, I was, uh, and I have been around many times where people would say things like, you know, oh, you have to really be careful what you say. I I mentioned this a minute ago. Like, oh, the devil's listening to you. And? (laughs) Because I also have the word of God, which I'm pretty certain is more powerful than him. And I'm pretty sure that the Bible says he's already a defeated foe. So I don't need to be paranoid about saying the wrong things. I'll give you an example of this. This is just my little pet peeve. I'm going to step on a soapbox for a second, and I'm going to get right back off, okay? I've probably said this before, but it is a pet peeve of mine. Like when somebody is sick and you ask them, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Well, you sound sick, okay? So... I'm the healed of the Lord. Now, I understand the statement of faith, and I understand what we're saying by that. And I think it's important to say the right words. What we, our, our confession matters greatly. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. But if you turn around and think, I wish that were true, then you just nullified your statement of faith that you just made. Why? Because your inner language is not matching your outer language. Faith works when those line up. Now, we don't want to go to the negative side either. Like, oh, well, I just feel horrible and I, you know, I'm just never going to get over this. You can eat that fruit if you want. I don't. 
No, God's working in my body. I don't feel great, but you know what? I believe that the healing power of God is working in my life. Man, I get some scriptures. I begin to confess God's word over my life. Why? Because I need to get my inner thoughts correct. I need to get that inner conversation in the right place. Why? Because those words are seeds. And I would rather not have to go pluck a bunch of bad seeds out of my heart. I'd rather make sure that I'm planting the right seeds. Why? Because I know the harvest that I want, and that's God's will in my life. That's God's word in my life. And so let me plant those seeds. goes on in James chapter 3, verse 9. It says, we use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not ever be. This should never be for us. You know, I remember growing up, my mom would tell me things like, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything at all. Well, she could, let me say it this way, she could control what came out of my mouth, but she couldn't control what I was thinking. And yet my thought life got me in a lot more trouble than probably my, just what I said. So, it, it, so I really want you to understand is that it's not just about guarding this little mechanism that we call the mouth. The tongue, the, it's, it's not just that. It's this internal conversation that we have to learn how to control. Now, no one's trying to control you. You have to do this for you. It's like, nope, I'm not going to think about that. Nope, I'm not going to say that. I know what I want to say right now, but I'm going to exercise my will, and I'm just not going to say that right now. I mean, we say things, you know, sometimes where it's like, oh, well, I didn't mean to say that. Sure you did. Sure you did. Or we'll cover it up like this and be like, oh, I was just joking. That's called a serious joke. Like, hey, there's some truth in there somewhere. Oh, I was just kidding with you. Yeah, but the damage has been done, right? See, we have to, to, to be careful. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 It says, never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts. I love that. Let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others and do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Now let me make this personal a little bit. Let your thoughts become beautiful so that they would encourage you. Speak words of grace to yourself. If there's one area of my life that I probably struggle in the most, it's that right there, giving grace to myself. Because I hold myself to a pretty high standard, and I'll give everybody else grace, but I don't give it to myself. And I can be pretty hard on myself, even in my own thought life sometimes. And so I have to what? Speak words of grace. That's why I have to go to God's Word, to remind myself of who I am. Not who... I maybe feel like I am today. No, what does God's word say about me? Because that's who I really am. And I have to be willing to give that grace to myself as well. It goes on a few weeks ago, we, were, we did a series called The Holy Who, and we talked about this verse. But it, so that was verse 29 where it talks about giving words of grace. The very next verse says, and do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Those are connected. Don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by what? The words that you say. We can actually hinder 
the, the work of the Holy Spirit by the words that we think, the words that we say, those, those, those things that we meditate upon. And so I think there's some, some key questions that we can ask ourselves. And look, and we all have moments. Okay, we all have moments of stupid. We all have moments where we say something or we think something and we're like, dang it, I did that. And what do you do? You ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm not going to dismiss it like it's not a big deal. Look, I'm, I'm sorry for what I just said. I should have never said that to you. I need to ask you to forgive me. That's important. But when we, when we face things, do we speak from a place of fear or a place of faith? Are we reacting out of fear? You know, I had a dog one time for many, many years, and they, at the vet, determined him to be a fear biter. He never bit me except for at the vet. Why? Because he got scared. And the one time he actually bit me was because he was hurt. He had a, a, a hip problem. So now he's scared and he's hurt and he bit. And they put it on his little, on his little envelope, fear biter. So then, you know, I have to take him and then I have to put a little muzzle on him and all that and all these things. And yet, sometimes that's what we do. Sometimes when we get hurt or we're fearful, we begin to lash out with words and we bite. And we say things and it's not because we intend to, to hurt, it's because we're hurting. And we're, we're scared. And so we lash out with these words and, 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 and they're weighty and they're powerful and they do much damage. And it's just because we're afraid. See, it's important that we realize these things in our lives. See, we, we want to speak from a place of faith. And sometimes that means you just got to keep your mouth shut for a few minutes while you deal with your thoughts inside of you. It's like, no, I'm not going to say anything right now because I got nothing good to say. I need to deal with my inner conversation before I start speaking out loud. So another question is, are the words that we're speaking, are they bringing strength? Or are they stripping us of courage? Do the words bring strength or do they strip us of our courage? one or the other you can have the fruit and you will eat the fruit of the words or the conversations that you have there's a famous quote and I don't know who originally said this so I, w- I would give them credit but I don't know who it was but it'll be up here on the screen for you but it says watch your thoughts for they become your words watch your words they become your actions watch your actions they become your habits watch your habits they become your character And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Okay, well, where did it start? With a thought that became a word. A word turned into an action. An action turned into a habit. That habit ended up becoming who who we are. Well, that's who... So, you, you see the progression right there. It started with a thought that turned into destiny. If you want to change your destiny, change your thoughts. Change that inner conversation that you have with yourself. See, I believe many times our self-talk is what actually gets us into trouble more than even our verbal talk. It's that, com- that inner conversation. Now, I've probably shared this before, but I heard this one time, and they were talking about kind of a different thing, but yet it applies to what we're sharing this morning. And 
So I want to share it with you, and I've kind of modified it to make it a little more personal. But And here's the principle, though, that I believe that I could back up with Scripture is this, is that if you tell yourself a lie loud enough and long enough, eventually you'll begin to believe it as fact. So if you tell yourself you're stupid, you're worth nothing, you can't do anything, who could ever love you, who would ever put up with you, And maybe those seeds were sown in you even as a child. Maybe they were sown in you in school. Maybe it's through a failed relationship. Maybe it's more, uh, you know, maybe it's something to do with your vocation, your profession. And say, man, man, I I, I took that step. And and if I, 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 I didn't accomplish what I thought. And so now I'm a failure. If you keep saying, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. Guess what you'll be? A failure, and you want to know why? Because it was a self-fulfilled prophecy. You spoke it over your life so much that you actually believed it so that now your expectation is, that's all I can be. So by your words, you prophesied your own future. You may have never said it out loud. Now, I, I, I have a very personal connection to this because for when I've, little backstory. I went to college for a number of years. I knew the Lord had called me to the ministry, but uh, no one was calling me to preach, so I went to college. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of the counsel I was given. And, uh, but there were several in the course of time that I made the transition from college to pursue what God was calling me to, to into the ministry. And so, but when I stepped out of college, there were several people uh, in my life that were prominent voices, one of them being my own grandmother, uh, one of them being... Um, Several people, I won't name any names. I'll tell you, one of them was my own grandmother, though. Um, but there were several people that made statements to me about this. And their words just echoed in my life. Echoed in my life. And I just allowed them to sit. But here was what I did with it. Is I took what they said, and I just my whole life became a pursuit of proving them wrong. Those words had weight. And so everything that I was doing was just to prove them wrong. And for years and years and years, that motivated me. Why? And my grandmother passed away not too long after that, just a couple of years maybe, two years. For probably 10 years, her words echoed to me. Why? Because they were weighty. Like, what did she say to you? I don't mind telling you. But when I told her that I was leaving school to go pursue the ministry, which she was a believer, she looked at me square in the face and says, you're going to be broke the rest of your life. Thanks, Grandma. I love you too. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Thanks for the encouragement. Proud of you. Nope. <laughs> you're going to be broke the rest of your life. And thankfully, which my mom doesn't even remember this. My mom, I remember it really, really well. I was standing here like this. My grandma was kind of over here. And my mom walked up behind me and grabbed me by the back of the arm. Right here. And she kind of squeezed my arm and said, don't listen to a word she says. Why? Because my mom had grown up fighting that battle of those words that had been spoken to her. Because the only thing my mom had been told growing up was that, well, Sue can't, Sue can't, Sue can't, Sue can't. Because my mom had polio as a child. But my mom was a track runner and many other things as a teenager just because she wanted to prove wrong, right? Partly. That's where I get my drive from, by the way. It's from my mom. (laughs) No doubt about it. I get it from both of them, but that part from my mom. And yet, those words were powerful. But see, we have to deal 
But what? If I kept, because somebody said those words to me, right? And somebody can say words to you. But if you continually repeat those words into yourself, you continue to just mull them over and mull them over. And guess what? Now it's not their word, it's your word. Now you're speaking it over you. You took what they said, even though it may not have been true. And now you're continually speaking it, speaking it, speaking it. Maybe not out loud, but it's inside of you. You're thinking it, you're thinking it. And guess what? You will become what you say. You will. It, it, it's a, it's, you're like, well, I don't believe that. Proverbs says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, the picture of who you are, that's where you're headed. It, it's a principle from Scripture. What you think in your heart. Proverbs 14, verse 1, this is an interesting verse, but it says, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman will tear it down with her own hands. Now, this is specifically speaking to a woman, but I believe the principle is true for everybody. Don't tear down your own life by your own hands, by your own words. Don't tear it down by by the things that you say. And so it's important. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as an overcomer? Somebody that says, man, regardless of what comes, God is on my side. He's the God that moves mountains. He's the God who's with me. He's the God who's for me. So do do you see yourself as an overcomer? Do you see yourself as maybe an underachiever that you never quite measure up? That you you get there but just not quite? Do you see yourself as a victim? That you're just always on the wrong side of whatever it is. And it's always somebody else's fault. That's a way to know if you kind of have a victim mentality, by the way. If you can't own your own mistakes. This is what the Bible says about us. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, it says, If you'll listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never at the bottom. So, man, I've been at the bottom many times. It doesn't say that we won't have moments, but what it says is I'm not staying down there. What? God will help me to rise up. God will help me. Proverbs says that, that a righteous man falls, but he gets back up. He doesn't stay down. We don't stay down. We get back up. And so if we're to reach our full potential in Christ, it's going to become necessary to remove some negative voices in our life. And that may be friends. That may be some family members. It doesn't mean that you blackball them. It just means that, hey, I'm not going to let you that close to me. I'm going to have to take the words that you say to me with a grain of salt. I I, I just can't allow you to verbally come in and dump on me. Sometimes, you know, I I said that earlier about my friend. And sometimes, you know, about that I'd go to him and be like, are you done yet? Why? Because he says, hey, I'm tired of being your trash can. Like, all right, I'm full. My trash can's full. It's all I can take today. And there are some people in your life that you need to lose their phone number. And you need to make sure they lose yours. You're like, well, wait, I thought you, I, I thought we we're supposed to love all people. We do. But I, I don't need the, the negative consequences of somebody else's words in my life. As a matter of fact, I can't afford to allow it. You're like, well, that sounds selfish. Is that relationship bringing you more good or more harm? Is that friendship, that, that, that connection? And so there's times, and you say, well, how do I know once you've asked them not to do it and they continue to do it? 
hey, I love you, I'm here for you, I'll do anything I can, but I just can't keep up this, this conversation. It's non-productive for you or for me. So either we can change the conversation or I have to change the relationship. You're like, well, that's really hard. I've done it. So I'm not telling you to do something that I've never had to do myself. It's extremely difficult. I'm a very loyal person by nature. It's one of the hardest things the Lord's ever asked me to do. But I know that if I had not made those decisions, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And it wasn't because they were bad people. They just weren't the right people to help me get where God wanted me to go. And that's important. And we have to know this, understand this. Why? Because you become like those you're around. Proverbs, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says that good or bad company corrupts good morals, right? We know that verse. So we have to, to be careful. So we have to watch our routine. We have to watch those things that we're thinking about. Why? Because all of those things matter. They, they create great weight. I'm having to skip over a lot of my notes. I'm just figuring out where I'm going to jump back in. Give you one last example, and then I'm going to give you one more thought, and we'll be done. But, you know, one of the things I've shared this before, I shared, I think I shared at the beginning of the year when we were doing our fasting in January. You know, one of the things that I used to always tell myself, that inner conversation, because I'd hear, I'd read in the Bible about people fasting, and I thought spiritual people fasted, and so I had tried that and failed miserably. And for a long time, uh, probably, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years, any time that everybody would ever say anything about fasting, my response was, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I've tried and I failed. I've tried and I failed. And I just kept saying it. I kept saying it. kept saying it. But the problem was the, the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about fasting, and my response to him was, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I've tried that. I just can't do it. You know, and so, and that happens, and the thought was, is always like, you're just going to fail like you did last time. That was always the thought in my mind. You're just going to fail, you're just going to fail, you're just going to fail. And one of the things that I had to do was just make the determination that, nope, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to ask the Lord to help me, and I'm going to walk this thing out, and I'm going to do what I don't think I can do. And I would, man, every day, I just begin to confess that. Every day. Just, I'd pray and ask the Lord, and so I, I did what the Lord, what I believe the Lord asked me to do. And I did it, and it wasn't easy, but it wasn't this incredible fight like what I had thought it would be. Why? Because I had actually asked the Lord. I invited the Lord into that area of my life and said, Lord, I need your help. You know, there's a, a fairly uh, famous quote of, that kind of is along these same lines. And, and I think that many times we kind of put things off on the devil like it's his fault. Like we blame him for everything. Like, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You did it. Like... No, he didn't. You know, and there's this famous quote, and I believe that it's so important as this, is, and it's twofold, is that you can't disciple a demon, but you also can't cast, cast out the flesh. See, the words of our mouth is flesh many times. And many times we think, oh, man, I need to, to be discipled. And yes, there's a place. That's why we have small groups. That's why we encourage you to be in relationship. That's why, because you need some friends to say, are you done yet? We all need that. Every one of us. But you can't cast out the flesh. We want to just be like, oh, the, it's the devil. Like, Lord, make the devil leave. And the problem is it ain't him. 
It's us. There's things in us. There's words that we're saying. There's seeds that we're sowing that are producing a harvest in our life that what? We need to become disciplined in. We need to learn how to discipline the words that are coming out of our mouth. We have to deal with that flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says this, and I won't even read the whole verse. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete. That's all I'm going to read. I discipline my body like an athlete. He says, I discipline. I, Paul, discipline myself like an athlete. We're going to have to do the same thing so that what? We're sowing the right seeds. See, we have to learn to guard the words that come out of our mouth. Why? Words are powerful. Words produce. And words shape our future. I'll say it again. Words are powerful. Words produce. And words shape our future. That's the truth of God's word. And if we're going to guard our hearts, it's going to start right here. It's going to start here and it's going to start that inner dialogue. But if we can get a hold of those two areas of our life, and I'm telling you that somebody who's really had to deal with this area of my life. But I've learned, man, if I can control my thought life, or at least get a handle on it, doesn't mean that thoughts don't come, because trust me, thoughts come all the time. But I have to, what, take authority over them. I have to take, you know, I have to grab hold of them and say, no, I'm not going to meditate on that. Why? Because God has something better. Because God's word is true in my life. And you have to make that determination for you. This is one of those areas that nobody else can ever do anything for you other than you. The Holy Spirit can't do it for you. He won't do it for you. He'll help you. But you have to make that determination. That I'm going to guard my heart by the words that I say and the, the things and the words that I think about. I'm going I'm to guard myself. Why? Because it's a root killer. It'll kill you from the roots. And yet, if we can deal with this, you'll be amazed how much of those external things will just kind of start fixing themselves with some time. Right, man, I don't even have to work on that. Why? Because you fix the thoughts. You fix the words. And all of a sudden, the fruit begins to look better. and begins, You begin to see God work in your life in a way that you're like, man, I would have killed to have that result, but I had to deal with this. And I didn't know that that was actually related to what was going on in my heart. But I promise you, if you'll do the heart work, the fruit will come. The blessing will come, and you'll walk in more of God's goodness in your life. Amen. Do you bow your heads with me? Let me.